0: Hello and welcome to Style & Substance, a branding and business podcast for
1: inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered and more importantly sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show and if you do, please like, share, subscribe and keep listening. Hello, hello and welcome back. Today we have decided we're going to dig into feedback. Yes, talking about you know, what happens when you get feedback in your business? How do you ask for feedback in your business? How do you navigate feedback without it absolutely crushing you when you get it? And what might be some of the things you can set up in your business to make sure you are very empowered about the way you handle this subject? Um, And it has the potential to be, you know, a little doom and gloom. So we're going to try and do our best to lift lift ourselves out of that and just, yeah, see where we go with this. You're already in meditation voice mode, aren't you? I'm, on that, on, I'm like, already in on that level. We're on yeah. that level of soothing. Yeah. We're not, I mean, obviously we're very excited to be here, but there's a different kind of vibe that we're bringing today. <laughs> so feedback. Feedback can be great, can't it? For a business. Yeah. It can be yeah. something that, really lights you up like the feedback we've had about the podcast recently like the spontaneous emails that you get in your inbox from a lovely client saying oh my god that was such a great session or oh I absolutely love my gift box or I love my product and this candle's the best thing since I was going to say sliced bread but since the last candle I bought you know that that kind of feedback is really what buoys us up and, and leads us through and it's wonderful to get that and then there's the kind of crushing (laughs) devastating unsolicited feedback perhaps that just comes at you sideswipe that when you weren't ready for it and when you think oh I just did not need to hear that or there's the feedback that maybe is solicited or unsolicited that might come in vicariously like the feedback you get when you don't win a piece of business or you don't win an award or an accolade and you take that on board as some kind of feedback Mm -hmm. and then there's the feedback that you might solicit but that gives you something unexpected, you know, good or bad. There's all of these different levels of feedback. You're really good, fee, I know, at, at soliciting feedback all the time in the brand stylist. And you also actively look for feedback, even if you're not directly asking it. You're you're constantly looking at what your clients are, are interested in, at what people are talking about, and that feeds into your process as well, doesn't it? Maybe you can give us some examples of some of the ways you ask for and use feedback.
0: Yeah, and I guess look for feedback as well. I mean, the obvious thing is at the end of something big like Elevate, I will ask for feedback. So I've got a type form that's, I don't know, 14, 15 questions long, and I'm asking for some quite in-depth feedback there. And I do remember... I was a little resistant perhaps to putting some of that out there. And you'd persuaded me that it was a good idea because there is an element of when you've poured your heart and soul into something like this and you have absolutely done your best. Mm. Do you need someone telling you you could have done better? (laughs) Yeah. Not always necessarily. Not, Not always. And But I'm so glad, I'm so glad that from the get-go, I've always asked for feedback on something big like Elevate because it it really does give you insights. And I guess I'm someone who naturally will skim over the 99% of positive feedback and really focus in Mm. on that 1%. And I think you should talk in a minute about why that's quite normal. Yeah. So it it can be difficult, can't it, to process feedback? So to answer your question, how do I use it in my business? Well, certainly formally through things like Elevate. And I I really do look at that and think, how can I use this to refine what I'm doing? So sometimes it's about looking at how can I tighten things up? How can I improve things? Sometimes it's also looking at how can I better manage people's expectations? Yes. Yes. So sometimes I'll look at some feedback and think, do you know what? They're really on the money there and that would be really easy to implement. Let me do that. Or it wouldn't be easy to implement, but it sounds worth it. Let me do it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll read the feedback and I'll think, actually, I'm not sure I agree, but I understand where they've misunderstood that. Let me tighten that up in my media kit
1: or on my website or whatever. Yes, and can I, can I just zone in on that? Because that's such a good point that I don't want to lose. The empowered position that you take when you're reading the feedback is really important. Mm. Just because somebody says they want it like this or this would have been better for me, our job when we're looking at that is to take the strategic, the empowered, the most sensible view and be able to put that into context and, and do exactly that piece and decide whether that does make sense for the best outcome for your clients, and the best working routine for you, or whether it's okay to let that piece go. And there's lots of things that come into that, you know, how many people have said the same thing, and all of that kind of stuff. But that also speaks to, and we'll get into this a bit more, but that also speaks to when to look at the feedback. Because it's really important that you're in the right headspace when you engage with that so that you have the opportunity to look at it proactively and reflectively rather than reactively. Because the point you made earlier about why you'll look at that one bit of feedback that was really negative is because, you know, our brains are wired for threat.
0: Yeah. We
1: are searching for that stuff and that is the stuff we're going to pay attention to. And even if you've got 95% brilliant feedback, we will naturally as humans go to those things that might be a weakness or might cause a threat to us. And they tend to get overgeneralised, massively amplified in our minds if we're not mm. in the right space when we look at it. And the nice thing about doing it at the end of something like Elevate and having it in that structure of the type form and knowing that it's going out at a certain time is you know when to expect it. You can manage yourself around that a lot more easily than when it just comes in unsolicited. So it's a, it's a different beast in that respect. Mm. That thing
0: of taking on feedback and it not crushing your soul mm. is oh well you've helped me completely think differently about that. And I know you've helped Ellie. So Ellie is mm-hmm. going into a career where she's gonna get feedback unsolicited or not on a daily, well, hourly basis. I mean, as an actor, and it's feedback brutal. you get to a director. It is brutal and you've got to hold that sense of your own self-worth and your sense of value and and have quite a strong sense of self haven't you
1: yeah yeah and I think part of that is is in exactly what you said earlier about you know when you've done something and you know you've done your best that is the greatest protection against being sabotaged unwittingly by feedback that you can do is Don't hold back on giving it your all. Don't hold back on really showing up and delivering as well as you possibly can, because that creates a safety net for you. Mm. Else can get on stage and if she's really brought her A game and if she's really done her best, then there's some solace, even if it's a rejection or even if the director says something hideous and, you know, her face doesn't fit or her voice doesn't Mm. fit or whatever it is she can go, okay, there's some reassurance in the fact that, well, I've brought my A-game, this is my A-game. So actually, this isn't a right fit for me. And that's the sort of level of discernment that comes over time. And you build that muscle of confidence and trust in that if you've brought your A-game.
0: Yeah. So lots of that then comes down to knowing that you've done a great job. And I think also being clear about and this is sort of more relevant, obviously, back in the business sphere, but being clear about what you were measuring yourself against in the first place.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how you ask for that feedback specifically, you know, so with the Elevate stuff, you're asking for a mix of, quantitative and qualitative information mm. and you know quite specifically how you're going to use that and i think that's really important as well when you're asking for feedback knowing what box it goes in mm. are you really open for developing yourself emotionally are you looking for product development tips are you looking for refining your service or your offering are you looking for testimonials mm. you know what is it that you're actually seeking and having some sense of how you're then going to use it will enable you to keep that feedback at a sort of strategic, practical arm's length so it doesn't knock the wind out of you and take your legs out from under you and crush your confidence. Mm. And there will be times when if you're feeling at a low ebb in your business and you think you're not serving your clients well it's probably not the best time to go out and openly solicit feedback because you know you're going to get <laughs> sent feedback. out 100 questionnaires ha- tell me how to make my business better and if you're coming at it from a really disempowered point of view it's a yeah. nightmare but yeah you can you can look for feedback and take it for yourself and use that to get yourself on stronger footing so you might start to look at the patterns in your business and what's happening when are people dropping out of conversations with you? When is it getting sticky? Is there a repeating, recurring pattern here that you can extrapolate and infer some information from to take feedback for yourself as a best guess? Because Mm. if things aren't going particularly well, you'll probably have a good idea and you'll have a sense of that. Mm. And so it just takes some bravery without exposing yourself to look at that and to go, Mm. right, well, something's not quite right. I think it might be this. And also, I think one of the things for managing and reducing the likelihood of negative feedback coming in when you don't want it is, A, like you say, to set your expectations with your clients really clearly and to make sure that you're meeting those so they Mm -hmm. understand your expectations, you're doing what you can to meet them. But also, if you think things are going south and you've got a feeling of that, you're probably on the money. There probably is something not quite right in the relationship. Mm. And I'm talking about the relationship dynamic here, not the not necessarily your process or the product and service. Mm. Quite a lot of what makes things go well is the relationship you have with somebody, particularly if you're in a service-based business, mm. in addition to your process. So you can get ahead of that and be preemptive to smoothing things over and to repair and the way in which you do that is quite key you know so I had a I had an example actually with a client a couple of weeks ago really lovely team of people I'm working with we'd done a couple of sessions together we had a full day together it was a really challenging day it was very Mm -hmm. emotional for them it was there were points at which there was a lot going on in the room It was very heavy from a facilitation point for me. You know, there were lots of things. Mm. And I'm used to a very high level of discomfort in the sense of I know that businesses go through storming phases and I can Mm. hold that. That's part of the work I do with them. But not everybody has that level of comfort, you know, for that. And so I kind of got a sense that, okay, I need to frame this for them in a way that means that they don't panic and think that they failed in not getting to where they want to be in this space, right? So because people quite often will, even if you're the supplier, they'll internalize um, what's going on as their own failure because that's Mm. what we do. We internalize failure a lot of the time and that creates damage in the relationship. So if you're being empowered and if you're being proactive, you can help reduce that failure rate, reduce that sense of shame, reduce that sense of overwhelm by proactively going, I saw what's going on here. This I can see this might have been uncomfortable for you. This mm-hmm. is actually what's happening. We've got this. Have total faith in you. This is our way forward. And sometimes just allaying some of those fears for people can, can do a lot for mitigating against and you know terrible feedback at the end but also open up a space for you know more honesty more openness more um they and they get a sense that you're really bought into it being really good for them which is important Mm -hmm. and in fact just asking for feedback in itself is an act of making your clients feel heard and valued so it's a really valuable thing to do just for the sake of doing it to give your clients a voice Mm.
0: I can see how powerful that would be in the room, particularly with you being very confident in your own abilities and being in a good place yourself. I'm just thinking about Mm. some experiences maybe that I've had with suppliers over the last, say, six months where maybe designs haven't quite hit the mark Mm. as early on as they might normally. And I'm wondering if that same approach would work there i'm not i'm not certain whether it would it might be worth thinking about so you know if a a client comes back and they're quite lukewarm because the design that the designers created hasn't connected
1: Hmm.
0: um i guess the equivalent of what you're saying is you know i can see this hasn't connected i'm really committed to getting there with this let's explore why and how so you're sort of becoming much more empowered about how you approach this is that what we're saying yes
1: yeah because I think I think that does go a long way if, if you've either had that direct feedback that it's missed the mark or you sense that it might have done just leaving that to fester and putting your head in the sand is not an empowered approach to business. It doesn't mean you have to go in all guns blazing and you have to check your assumptions as well because quite often if your confidence is low, you might be overimagining the disaster mm. of it for a start and it might not be that yeah. bad. But yeah. if you have a sense and if you're tuned into your clients and if you're tuned into whether you're doing your best work, then then I think some level of proactivity can be really useful. And You know what I'm also wondering here though is you
0: from a point of view of i'm on fire i'm doing a really great job i know my clients freaking out but i'm going to i'm going to tackle this head on because i can handle it that's a very different scenario to maybe someone that's not feeling full beans mm. knows that probably what they sent over isn't their best work whether it's design or consultancy mm. or whatever mm. it is you know making a sandwich for someone in a cafe um yeah. and then it, it does require you to have that confidence which you probably haven't got at this moment is what I'm getting at, yeah, to kind of go, I can put this right, yeah. because if you're not feeling on fire, yeah. you probably don't have the confidence to put that right. So actually, your head on approach there, I'm not sure would work. I wonder what the better approach is.
1: Yeah. And I agree. Absolutely. Because then it's about if you are in a fragile state and you know that you're in a fragile state, then it's about recognising what you need to stay regulated and to stay as empowered as you can and not putting yourself in the arena and making it more difficult. Then it's about Mm. strategically. It's about being realistic to yourself and going, Mm. okay, well, I'm going to give myself some feedback here. I know I'm not bringing my A game. I know this is the the potential we have to have a dose of realism it's like you don't stick your head in the sand but you don't necessarily stick it up your client's backside either you know you stay stay with yourself and you go right there's something going on here I'm giving myself some feedback I'm not bringing my a game this isn't going well maybe I need to step back maybe I need Mm -hmm. to create some space for myself to look at okay why am I not bringing my a game why isn't this working and to gently hold yourself through that process of making some shifts, making some tweaks without bringing your client into the fold of that. And that inevitably mm-hmm. means that you're going to have some clients that aren't as happy as they would have been. And you're going to have to let that go. And, mm. and that could be a judgment call. Obviously, what we don't want to get into is a scenario where you're having to do that for several clients on the trot.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, but,
1: but that may be. And if it is several clients on the trot, then there comes a point where you go, hmm, am I, am I in the right space here? Uh, Am I pushing burnout here? Do I need to rethink the whole thing here? You know, it depends Mm. on what level that gets to. Yeah, I think, yeah, there there might be times where you just need to keep yourself to yourself for your own self-preservation and not go blazing on in there and leave Mm. yourself open to... disaster you know there will be some clients hopefully that you have a relationship with that will be able to or friends who are aware of what's going on who will be able to very gently give you the signals that you might need to do that and I think when we start hearing that kind of feedback then we need to listen because we can't always see when we're entrenched in something that is going to lead us down a path to burnout or that's going to jeopardize our business in some way or that's just not healthy for us we can't always see it yeah there's no failure, there's any feedback. If you take feedback as failure, then mm. it it takes the legs out from under you and means that you're not actually then able to proactively solve the problem. If you just take mm. feedback as feedback and you go, oh, great, this is information. This gives me an opportunity to really look after my clients, to nurture them, to make things right, to to learn and to do things differently next time. The attitude of empowerment, autonomy and proactivity you get from just that head shift is really, really powerful. Mm. And in the same way as when you or I are running workshops, we'll get casual feedback as we go. You know, we were talking about this before we went live, weren't we? If you're running one of your colour workshops, you'll talk to people at lunchtime and just get a sense, you know, where are you at? How are you finding it? I'll just look at their body language, their faces. Exactly. Exactly. are
0: they? Do they look like they're enjoying themselves? Are they – is someone sat in a corner of their room with their arms folded? And maybe that leads me on to the next thing, which is that sometimes you can have done an amazing job and it just isn't someone's day.
1: Exactly. So I – and this, I remember we talk, probably talked about this years ago when we were doing that public speaking training. Mm. And you're a public speaker and you're in an auditorium and you can see your audience because you're not spotlit mm. – You've got a whole load of feedback going on all the time with the non-verbals, right? And a good speaker will take the right amount of that into account and ditch the rest. So there will always be the person who's just been told their husband's leaving or having an affair, sat in the back or whatever. There will always be the cynic who's just leaning back, arms crossed, like staring into the wilderness waiting for you to say some earth-shattering thing so they're actually buying into what they're saying there will always be someone who's a bit preoccupied because they don't know whether they left the iron on you know there'll be always be those people Um, (laughs) and yeah and then there'll be a general sense that you can get from like you say the body language of the audience is this does this look like i want them to be feeling right now if it doesn't how can i ignore the internal demon that goes oh my god you're mucking up it's horrendous nobody (laughs) likes you Get off the stage. What am I supposed to do? Oh yeah, remember ne- Margaret Thatcher naked, or whatever it is. You know all those. Yeah. Little, and you're standing there, and you let that demon take over you. It doesn't then enable you to come out of the gates and frame it. You know, I would be as bold sometimes because I used to work with quite tricky audiences in spaces mm. that were unexpected for my content. So I used to do a lot of meditation and well-being and woo-woo and energy work stuff mm. in corporates. Yeah, and I'd get a room of 45 year old men in suits <laughs> what the hell am I doing with this chick and I'd have to be bold enough to call it out you know yeah. if I saw if I saw that I was losing the room mm. it's a huge risk and I don't recommend it for everybody but I I had that kind of well you've got that in you we've already we've already established that <laughs> just to go for it you know I'd say all right chaps what's going on and why aren't you taking me seriously I mean so I you know I would have to say something like Oh my lord, I can see that you're all falling asleep. Like is this actually me or, you know, is there is there was the coffee not hot in the canteen this morning? And just yeah. by calling that out, yeah, it would sort of show people that oh, I wasn't just some idiot to be messed with, you know, maybe she's got something to say. And sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it tanked horrendously and it was horrendous. Mm. But then what I would do with that feedback afterwards was I would go, okay, do I really want to be giving keynote speeches to tech entrepreneurs uh, who've got loads of money and aren't really interested in what I'm going to say? You know, and if I'd done loads and loads and loads of those and kept getting that consistent, like nobody's switching on in the room, Mm. that should tell me that I'm in the wrong place with the wrong audience. But I don't have to take that personally. That's just learning. So that is the key thing, isn't it? Because...
0: When we opened this, we were talking about how amazing it feels to get positive unsolicited feedback.
1: Mm.
0: And I guess the thing, the question that I've always struggled with is if I'm going to let the good feedback make me feel good, then what right do I have to just shrug off the negative stuff? Surely I've got to take both of those on
1: board with equal weight. Yes. And it makes commercial sense to do that. And the equal weight is to um, take it and use it proactively for the good of your business and the good of your clients. It's not about equal weight of beating yourself over the head because you're so awful. So how do we
0: do that? How do you let the good stuff affect you positively, personally? Because that's what it's doing. I mean, really, when I'm getting positive feedback... I'm not really changing much about my business apart from maybe updating something on the website.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's several ways to do it. I think firstly, I'm not advocating the approach where you take the negative feedback and you just don't let it hit you emotionally because Mm. it will. And if you don't actually allow yourself to process that a little bit, you won't really be able to synergize it into something worthwhile. So Mm. when something hits and it doesn't feel good, it's okay not to feel good. Right, it's yeah. okay to go. Oh God, actually, mm, I really failed on that one. I, I, they saw right through me. Or I feel really vulnerable. I feel really exposed. I feel like an imposter. It's absolutely okay, and also I would say essential to allow yourself to feel that mm. in that moment and to let it move through you. The point is, mm. is we do not want to get stuck in it. Yeah. And the ways we can not get stuck in it is to firstly pick your time to review your feedback at a time when you're more likely to be able to be more resilient do it in company with someone who can help reframe it or support you with it if you need to allow yourself to feel the feelings of it and then consciously give yourself a cut-off point where you go okay I've wallowed for long enough now (laughs) yeah Uh, I'm gonna do something about this and wallowing will take different lengths of time you know if anyone's still wallowing after a week too long um, (laughs) But, you know, for, for diff, you know, in, in terms yeah. of business, for different things, you can wallow about your marriage breaking up for a little longer than a week. But yeah. it's so, you know, allow yourself consciously that time frame and then go, right, OK, I'm ready to look at this. And then it's about putting it in context. Did I have the power to change this? Do I have the power to change this now? Do I want to? How can I? What's the benefit of that to me and my client, and what's yeah. the cost? What's the cost if I don't change this? So you're mm. looking at all of that in context, and then you're making your decision, and you make those changes, you know, respectively. And then, is there anything I can do to repair? Mm. If someone has given me feedback that is crushing, and they've had a dreadful time. You don't want to leave that person flotsam and jetsam out in the world not feeling like they've been heard. So it's really important when you get feedback from people, not for it just to go into a vacuum and mm. to do some level of acknowledgement. And I think the level of acknowledgement and how you then feel about that will make quite a bit of difference to how mm. people feel heard and to how robust you feel in moving the feedback forward. Some of it, if it's you know some feedback unsolicited particularly, is trolling. Don't feed the trolls, just move mm. on. Yeah. You know, but I think we're not probably not talking about that stuff. But if we are, we get trolled on social media inadvertently all of the time. Mm. There are people out there who don't have much better to do than to tear the sisters down. And we're not really interested in those guys. And we don't need to feed those trolls. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And we need to protect ourselves a little bit, maybe by screening ourselves off from some of that noise or just just not looking. You know, I know. But I think we're really talking probably
0: about constructive, but painful feedback rather than trolling, aren't they? And I think one of the things I found quite helpful in that sort of thing in the past is to say to people, thank you so much for your email. I hear you. Yeah, I'm going to take some time to process this and I'll come back to you. You know, yeah, sometimes yeah. I'll just respond. Yeah. Having taken some deep breaths and maybe gone for <laughs> a walk and processing it. But sometimes it's just, it, people can get really wound up if you yeah. leave it a week. Exactly. Or even three days. You really need yeah. to come back in some way, shape, or form, I think, within some hours.
1: Yeah, fairly quickly if you can, particularly if it's very negative feedback. Yeah. But there's one caveat to that. Do not knee jerk into a response if you're really unregulated.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm saying a, a sort of a holding response, which yeah. just says, Yeah, I'm going to give this some thought and then I'll come back to you.
1: Even the holding response of engaging in a communication with somebody, if you're traumatized and triggered, like literally what I'm talking about, nervous system triggering here. So if mm. you're in a state where you're on the brink of tears or you're shaky or you're agitated can't or you're angry or you can't, yeah, exactly then you're likely to be triggered. So you need to take five or 10 minutes, it's not a big deal, to re-regulate your nervous system even before you send that holding email because mm. the energy behind what you send will be very different. Mm. And also you don't have to promise to get back to them. So manage your own boundaries mm. and expectations. So it's great if you can, I'll come back to you when I can, but also then that's something that might be sitting over you. And if you it's mm. fine for you because you're very often in that really resilient space, and you want to do due diligence. But if you've been battered from all corners, and you just want to say, thank you, I hear you, I'm really working on on this stuff. That could be where you leave it. You don't have Mm -hmm. to open yourself up to further conversation if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. Because we have control over how much we let into our bubble of confidence and our Mm -hmm. bubble of security. And we're not always ready to be punched in the gut over and over and over again. Yeah, and
0: also I think leading on from that, if we just take a minute to explore why people give feedback, Mm. often the process of giving feedback is as traumatic for the person giving the feedback as it is for the person receiving it. Yeah. So we don't tend to give it lightly.
1: Mm. So that just
0: might be worth thinking about in terms of reframing how you look at this
1: Mm -hmm. because most people aren't out to ruin your day well they're probably frustrated
0: actually that 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 here is some fairly simple
1: ways that
0: this could have worked better
1: yeah and I'm thinking actually about some examples that we've had over our time you know probably quite a few examples where we have had to give really tricky feedback to people or Mm. open up really difficult conversations with people about all sorts of things, everything from, you know, in the early days of when How to Style Your Brand came out, people flipping the content. Yeah, We had to have some really difficult conversations around that. Mm -hmm. And the way that we approached those conversations made all the difference. Yeah, And nine times out of 10, what we found was not this whole raft of people that were really mercenary and wanted to steal your stuff. It was people who had got into a space that was inadvertent and unexpected and and actually they were all raving fans and thank god we approached it the way that we did with kindness yeah. and understanding yeah. and human to human mm. because i think it's that fundamental thing of you know there are a few narcissists out there and there are a few people who are really wounded and just want to do a load of damage but the vast majority of people are just want things to be easy and want things to mm. be smooth and if someone has summoned up the courage to give you spontaneous unsolicited feedback it's because they care and they want to sort something out and if you start with that mindset and that understanding in mind you're already in a much more empowered position
0: Mm. okay so we've talked about feedback coming in via email maybe through a questionnaire maybe maybe looking for feedback vicariously. Mm. What about when you're in a face-to-face conversation and you've got an inkling that some feedback's coming and you've got an inkling you're probably not going to like it because the body language and the the, the tone of voice is starting to get a bit strained and you suspect you're not going to like what's coming. How can you Well, I I was going to say, how can you handle it with grace? But I guess more than that, it's about how do you handle that in the moment without it crushing your soul and ruining that relationship with your client?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think this can come in two parts, can't it? It can come in a kind of expected way where you're you're entering into a meeting where you know someone's going to tell you something.
0: Yes,
1: yes. Or it can literally be off the hoof. The, the chances are the former is probably what we'll find ourselves in more often than not. So then it's this is where I sort of fall back on on the four agreements, really, which is which is a really sort of interesting spiritual philosophy. And one I'm of the two, Elizabeth, I'm a bit <laughs> woo-woo. it is quite woo woo, but it also it's they're very um, they're very useful agreements for life. And one of those is don't take anything personally, and another one is always do your best. And this thing about not taking anything personally is. When someone is telling you something about your work that you don't want to hear, or it's negative, whether you're feeling fragile or not, we're going to feel a personal hit. We're going to feel like we've done something wrong. That's normal. It's going to potentially feel like a failure. And depending on how they deliver it, we can't always rely on the fact that they've read my book and uh, listened to this podcast, and they're going to be doing it in a really nice way. So there's a few things we can do to protect ourselves. First of all, what we mentioned before, we can take that assumption that people want things to go well and they're not just out to make life difficult for us. So if you hold that as a benchmark understanding, Mm. you're already going, okay, this feels really uncomfortable and I'm not enjoying this, but let's assume that this person wants a good outcome. Mm. And then we remember that the person with the most flexibility in any interaction is most likely to achieve their outcome. So you've got to be as loose and as unrigid and as curious as you possibly can get yourself into.
0: Which is really hard if you think someone's slated
1: really? you, you've just blood-sweated. You. And there's so many things in context here. So the first thing is, is depending on where you are, just do a quick assessment of your environment. Is this a suitable space for you to be having this conversation. If someone has hijacked you in the corridor at an event, yeah. and there's lots of stuff going on, it's not going to be an environment that's conducive for having a good conversation with a good outcome. So environment is the first thing. Environment if you, is you, get outside if you so it's, Yeah, so it's literally, you know, you're saying to that person, I can hear you really want to give me some valuable information and I really want to hear it. And I want to create the right conditions for that. I'm noticing that we're a bit pressed for time. We're not in a great space at the moment. Can I book some time with you to do this properly? Mm. And hopefully you'll get a yes and then do that. Yeah, yeah. If you don't, then it's about managing yourself and managing that dynamic and saying, okay, there might be something really pressing you need me to know right now. I'm, I'm listening. Okay. And then we've got to regulate ourselves because the nervous system will be going nuts.
0: <laughs> and then we'll
1: be using the vagus nerve. I'm
0: nervous, just listening. Yeah, I know, right? It's like oh,
1: oh, oh. So, so then it's like, okay, nervous system first, because if you're regulated, you can deal with anything. If you're yeah. dysregulated, yeah. your prefrontal cortex or so that part of your brain that makes executive decision making very easy, just goes offline and you go into fight or flight. Okay. So regulation first, and this is where we use the vagus nerve. So anyone who's done the Resilience Masterclass will be all okay with this. But for those who haven't, the vagus nerve is this big nerve in the body that connects into all of the major organs and sends information back to the brain about the state of the body and the state of your regulation. And most of the information comes from the body to the brain. And most of that stuff is automatic. So what your liver's doing over here, what your gut's doing over here, what your heart's doing over here, it's all automatic. And we can't control any of those signals that go back to the brain, apart from what goes back to the brain from our diaphragm and our lungs and our breath. If you are wanting to feel calm and regulated, you can send a signal to your brain by just taking a long, deep breath out and slowing everything down. It will slow your nervous system down. It will start to re-regulate you. So first thing is, is deep breath out, not deep breath. But
0: if you've got someone right in your grill. Yeah. Who's angry.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I personally would find that very hard to stand there. Yeah. And, and even be seen to be, to be calming, calming myself down. Yeah.
1: So in the physical space around, it, I mean, if it is, let's take that extreme scenario: someone's right up in your face and they're angry. Yeah, this is not. The no, but yeah. it might be. We can handle this. We can, handle-, you can handle this. You can handle anything, and the same rules apply at different levels. Someone's right up in your face and they're angry. You need to create some physical space. So it's okay to step back and step to the side slightly, so you're so that you're at a forty-five degree angle. That will immediately diffuse the onslaught, and they might keep coming at you. And in which case, don't keep backing away. Just plant yourself. Mm. Plant yourself. Relax your jaw. Put your feet down. If you can, just take a breath. And make some level of eye contact if you can, but not sustained. It depends how angry they are with you. You have to be able to match their level of energy to a degree for them to feel like they're being heard. Mm. So if they're all agitated and you're super, super calm, it's going to really wind them up.
0: Just haven't they haven't got the message through? I have not the message. Like you haven't heard them. It
1: looks like you haven't heard it. it. Looks like you're not interested. It looks like you're just floating above it all. So yeah. you don't have to match the content of what they're saying, and you don't have to match the volume of their voice, for example. But you do have to find some way to match the energy
0: because you're saying this is really important to them. This is really
1: important to them. Then, yeah, it's
0: like it hasn't really exactly.
1: landed. So it might be that, I mean, you can't see me gesturing at the moment, but it might be that as they're speaking rapidly and furiously, because they probably will be if they're agitated, you're nodding rapidly and furiously. Yeah, so you're yeah. wrong with them and you're going, I'm hearing that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're letting them speak.
0: Yeah.
1: And this buys you time. So you just let them say everything they need to say. Catch
0: your breath while,
1: <laughs> while they're While they're spieling. Yeah. Um, obviously, if it's abusive to you, you can absolutely put your hand up, take a step back and say, I am not available for this conversation right now. When you've calmed down, come and talk to me. We don't need to stand there and take abuse. But chances are, we're not going to be in that situation. So you're nodding along furiously. You might be gesticulating, but you're letting them have their air. Mm. Right? And then when they've had their air, then you wait, you take a breath. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. If you, if it makes sense to you and you're resourced enough, you can start going into that empathetic piece of saying, what I think I'm hearing you say is this, Mm. is that right?
0: Yeah. So repeating back to them.
1: Repeating back what they've said, checking your understanding, and you'll get a yes or a no. And the response, you're, you're wanting to engage with a curious mindset. And this is sort of there's a subtle level of mastery here with sort of calming them down because you're matching their energy to start with, and then as you continue to speak, you're slowing your voice down, you're regulating your breathing more, you're slowing your gestures, and you're starting to contain the energy. So you're you're basically matching them, you're pacing them for a bit, and then you're leading them into a much calmer state. If you're able, balloon, isn't it almost exactly? If you're able to do that, what you don't want to do is pop the balloon. You want to just very gradually let the air out. Yeah. So if you're skilled enough to do that, then that's great. But the main rule of thumb is curiosity. I think I'm hearing this. Tell me more. You can drop all of your defenses. You can drop all of your critical thinking. You don't have to come back and defend yourself at this place, at this point. But you need to get as much information as you can so that it all makes sense to you. So it's literally just, and tell me more about that. And tell me how you think that happened, or tell me how you feel about that. Whatever, whatever you need to get as much information as possible in that situation, mm. and that will go a long way to calming them down because it will tell them you're actually interested.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: If there comes a point where you can't regulate yourself to that degree, you can literally just call it and say, "I'm really struggling to hear all of this right now, but I, I genuinely am interested. Can we park it? So try to park yeah, it again, yeah, if yeah. you can." Can we schedule a time to have a conversation or what have you? And, and so you're, you're in this sort of curious mode. A really useful question to ask because it's not always clear is what do you want? Yes. You know, what is it you want from this? You're giving me this feedback. Do you just need to air it? Yeah. You know, what do you actually need? What, it, and, and then you can start to assess what's in your power or what's in theirs. Yeah. And again, you can buy yourself time if they ask you for something. You may know instantly if it's a quick, oh yeah, I can give you that. Absolutely. Yeah. You can have a four week fund or you can have this yeah, or you can blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you might not be able to, but you need to find out what they want from this. Mm. They might not know.
0: Yeah. I think often they don't actually. Yeah. Do they?
1: they might just get into venting their spleen mm. and you're just unfortunately the person that's got that. Yeah. It also gives them back some agency and gives them back some responsibility for the interaction. Mm. So ask them what they want you don't have to make any promises yeah but just establishing that i think is really useful and then what we said before about excuse me about going away and giving yourself time to think and then coming back to them in the appropriate manner setting a time frame so that they have that expectation of when you're going to be able to get back to them and then meeting it if you want to but that's a fairly extreme example mm. i think in a nutshell it's regulation curiosity You know, genuine inquiry and keeping that thought in the back of your mind that we just need to work out an outcome here. Most things are solvable. Sometimes it will mean that one or other person has to put a firm boundary down. But if you continually keep exploring something from the belief that there's a solution to every problem, Mm. then it doesn't become failure. It just becomes a problem to solve between you. Yeah. and you can keep that energy between you if you want to you know you can take on all the responsibility for it or you can shove it all back to them or you can keep it between you that's a choice mm. so there's all of these things going on all of the time and it's also just what I wouldn't advise doing is you know when you see that person come in just running for the hills <laughs> but you can buy yourself a get out clause of going get ahead of it. I can see you really want to talk to me about something. I really I can't do it right now, but I do want to hear you. I'll come back to you. Yeah, that might diffuse it enough for them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: For it to go. Yeah. But it might not. So I think there's all of these holding pieces. And and these get, you know, you get more practised at this over time. You get more practice of diffusing and de-escalating things over time. Hopefully you don't have to have too much practice of that in the business in general. But take care of your nervous system first because your ability to Click into that executive function and those rational questions and those thought processes that are needed are dependent on you being online, Mm, your whole system being online. Yeah. And then take the time after that interaction to go away and regulate again, because you will need to. Don't go barreling straight back out there.
0: Mm. And that can take a long time. I'm just thinking about quite a stressful interaction I had recently nothing to do with my business but mm. some racists that were in our village and I went and gave some some feedback on how I felt about what they were saying yeah and I didn't notice how much I was shaking yeah I was shaking for hours
1: yeah yeah so and that's a really good thing because sometimes we don't notice how dysregulated we are assuming you've had a difficult interaction you're going to be dysregulated get ahead of it and actually the shaking thing your body shakes naturally sort of at a low level to try and dissipate that Mm. so as we said in the resilience masterclass, use the shake stretch soothe approach Mm. literally shake it out of your body really vigorously very quickly and you only need to do that for about i don't know 30 60 90 seconds to dissipate that energy that accelerates that (laughs) that would have really helped it's very easy to forget you know Or pick up the phone to someone you know who's a really well-regulated human and you just say, this has just happened to me. And then hopefully they will say to you, tell me about it, shake it out. You can verbalise it, you can breathe it out, you can shout it out, you can shake it out of your body. You need to dispel the energy that you're holding in your nervous system first. And then you need to seek comfort. You need to, need to seek some kind of soothing. You know, how many times have we had a difficult experience and we suddenly have that yearning to be at home in bed? It's like, I, I need to get back to my armchair now. I, need, I just need to get home where it's safe yeah. or I just need to get back to the car or yeah. call a friend or whatever. Seek safety. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't feel like a massive thing. Mm-hmm. If you're dysregulated, you need to discharge and then seek safety. Yeah. And if you do that quickly for yourself, then when you're ready, you can reflect on it and go, what did I learn from this? You don't have to do that piece until you feel safe and discharged. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're getting, we're getting into just the general everyday how to go out there as a human. How really. to live, yeah. Yeah, how to live.
0: <laughs> so one of the things I'm hearing from everything we're saying is that feedback can be difficult to receive, but I also know it can be quite difficult to give
1: Mm.
0: because there's, I mean, I don't think I'm alone in this. I feel a real responsibility to give feedback in a way that is going to land well, that's going to get, you know, a productive outcome that's going to reflect well on me and, and all those myriad other things. I think it might be worth closing this whole episode off by thinking about those scenarios where maybe we've got some feedback. We are absolutely Itching to give,
1: mm.
0: it's not been asked for. So I'm thinking about multiple situations over the last six months where I've seen an opportunity for, particularly for a designer, to do something better. Mm. You know, to to improve their process, to improve their client experience, to just make things easier for them. And it's coming from a place of absolutely loving what they do. And wanting the best for them. So I think, one, that's worth just bearing in mind that very often that's what's driving feedback. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that question that is worth us exploring is, is it ever right to give unsolicited feedback?
1: Mm. Well, it's a really interesting one. And there's a number of, I don't think there's one right answer to that. No. But... The things that I think about when I ponder that question are, what's your intention? Mm. And the thing about unsolicited feedback is if it's unsolicited, it will never land as well as solicited feedback. Mm. Because the person may or may not be ready at any particular level to hear that feedback. Mm. Chances are unsolicited feedback isn't going to land and has the potential to do damage.
0: Yeah.
1: It, even if it's really well intentioned, it kind of sort of, and and this definitely isn't the case for you because I know we speak about this stuff all the time and it's so well intentioned and, and comes from a real desire of wanting to support and help. But that's not always the driver for that kind of feedback. Sometimes it's a bit of an ego boost from the person who's wanting to deliver it and that never helps. No. And I think, you know, I also think about that, the Buddhist mindset and that of, you know, is it kind? Mm. is it helpful yeah and if it's neither of those two things then why would you say that anyway yeah in general mm. do you have a right to give unsolicited feedback comes into what what is there contractually between you so if you go to a restaurant and the food that's put on your plate isn't what you ordered or is slightly off or whatever's not working for you but the waitress doesn't come and ask you if everything's okay mm. You have contracted into something with that restaurant that means that you can absolutely go up and say, in my view, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry, but this isn't hot or this isn't what I asked for yeah. or the spuds are off or whatever it is. The now that's one of have the spuds
0: oh. ever been off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the really- steak
1: is <laughs> live on my plate, whatever it is. Yeah. That is unsolicited feedback, but it's warranted. Yeah. Because you've contracted into yeah. that. So there's a subtle difference I think my rule of thumb would be, unless it's going to have, and this is where we get into the nuance of it, unless the ramifications for you and your business or your relationship with that person are going to be detrimental, if you don't give them feedback, that's a different piece.
0: But even it, it's, I still think even if it it is, it doesn't mean it's right to give the feedback, does it? I mean, in, in every instance where I've wanted to give feedback, it's come from a place of, this would really help your business if you implemented this
1: yeah but uh, what i'm saying is if it then if you're not giving feedback then has a detrimental impact on you down the line
0: well it would yeah
1: you know it would if you're recommending a designer down the line to somebody but you haven't given them a critical piece of feedback
0: mm-hmm. you're on in that
1: relationship that does have an impact on you
0: it does but it doesn't mean it's the right i mean Interestingly, in every instance, I haven't given the feedback. I've bitten my tongue. Yeah. And the other thing I've I've sort of thought about is, rightly or wrongly, are are they in the right place to take this on board? And obviously, I don't know everything that's going on. Probably not. not ask for it. It's tough at the moment for people post COVID. It's tough, mm. isn't it? So, adding a shovel load of unsolicited feedback into the mix.
1: Yeah. And also, we're assuming that feedback is negative. So absolutely give unsolicited positive feedback.
0: Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, mean, I don't think I would ever question.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, you wouldn't. Definitely not.
0: You just give it, don't you? And, and maybe that's important to think about where can you do that?
1: Yes. And sometimes I think people can read between the lines as well. So if you're giving positive feedback on certain things as we said before, our brains will scan for threat and scan for, you know, what's missing. You know, if you're a designer that is used to getting great feedback on your vision or your colour palette or whatever, and all you get is, oh, I really liked that typeface.
0: Yeah. You
1: might read between the lines and go, something else is off here. But I think that's where, that's probably where our remit ends because I don't think there's ever, I mean, I might be up to change in that opinion, but I don't think there's ever really a good case for giving unsolicited negative feedback
0: or constructive because negative is different isn't it
1: yeah yeah no exactly but if you're in the situation of giving that there are ways to give it so it's more likely to land um and first of all ask permission mm. so i would like to give you some feedback is that okay
0: mm.
1: you know and that could be your first door opener anyway just to test the ground as to whether you are itching to say something i'd like to give you some feedback is that okay if you get a no then you close the door mm. if you get a yes then then the door is open to you and i think there's lots of different ways to give feedback and one of the approaches i use often particularly if i've been working in collaboration with somebody or particularly you know if it's a client in a session i will elicit from them their sense of how things have gone first
0: mm, that's a much nicer way because I think if you hear I don't know you probably feel about it differently but but time I got a see me from the teacher I would you know like the butterflies would go in my stomach so even saying can I give you some feedback can
1: it's confronting
0: yeah it can be quite triggering for some people can't it
1: yeah But I think you need to be very clear about the fact that that's what's happening to somebody to set the frame so that they have a bail. Yeah.
0: But actually saying, should we have a debrief on how that project went? Exactly. Why didn't I think of that six
1: months ago? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Because that's actually, that's framing it in a much more... Collaborative
1: way. constructive way, isn't it? it. Yeah. and, And this is one of the things that is fairly habitual not necessarily in the workplace often, but definitely in activism circles that I work in. You know, it's standard practice after an event or an action or a meeting to have a debrief, you know, to schedule that in and to go, how did this go? And the understanding is everybody's throwing their opinion into that space and then you craft something out of it that's useful to move forward. Mm. So I think on this question of, you know, how do you approach people for feedback? It could be that rather than saying, can I give you some feedback, if you also are open to receiving feedback, yeah, yeah then you do ask that question. Could we have a debrief after this project and just just let's yeah, find out yeah. how it we went for each other? And actually, particularly in long-term working relationships that you have with your designers or I have with suppliers or coaches, that's more valuable.
0: Yeah, totally. Really can be actually.
1: Yeah, let's debrief this because I think what we want to avoid is the hierarchy that's created
0: mm.
1: with some someone having power over. Yeah. Because yeah. that never ends well. If we no. create equity, however we do that—yeah—through curious listening and attention, or whether it's through reframing from feedback to debrief, whether it's through you know any of those mechanisms—it's about balancing out the power structure so that you get a good outcome for everybody. But that does mean that you have to put yourself in a space of being willing and open.
0: To yeah, yeah.
1: What needs to be said. Yeah. Seen. yeah and you know that's that's the challenge for all of us right
0: yeah totally but i think if we if the if the big thing we take away from this is that generally people give feedback because they care yeah they're invested in you and your success and the outcome of whatever it is that you're doing together and sure some people get angry some people are having a bad day some people don't have your best interests at heart but i think often feedback can be difficult to give so we've got to be fairly invested
1: i I completely agree with all of that and sometimes people will be given feedback because they feel wounded and hurt and they're trying to support their best interests and we don't have to take that personally
0: yes yes absolutely breathe breathe get outside regulate shake soothe stretch
1: yeah yeah exactly and be curious
0: yes fabulous thank you thank you Thank you so much for tuning in to Style and Substance. We really hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com
1: or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.